to 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse number 38. 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse number 38. The Bible says, And Elisha came again to Gilgal, and there was, a, there was a dearth in the land, and the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. And he said unto his servant, Set on the great pot, and seethe pottage for the sons of the prophets. And one went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine and gathered thereof wild gourds his lap full and came and shred them into the pot of pottage for they knew them not. So they poured out for the men to eat and it came to pass as they were eating of the pottage that they cried out and said, O thou man of God, there is death in the pot and they could not eat thereof. But he said, Then bring meal. And he cast it into the pot. And he said, Pour out for the people that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. Well, this is uh, probably a familiar miracle in the ministry of Elisha to you. But if not, I hope it will be after, after this service. It's very interesting, very simple, not very complicated to understand what is going on. They're hungry. They want a meal. Uh, Somebody goes out to gather ingredients for the meal, accidentally gets some poisonous uh, ingredients, and it gets put into the big pot. They're making a big uh, pot of soup, and uh, as people are eating, they start realizing there's something wrong with this right here. And then there's a miracle in the fact that the the pottage is healed so that they might eat of it and not uh, get sick or not die. And so that's just a simple miracle that takes place here. There are several lessons that I feel like we can learn from this text right here. I see just a couple things just by way of introduction. I see a uh, faithful crowd. I find that there's a hundred young men that are sitting at the feet of Elisha. They are in their place. They are learning at the feet of a great teacher. They are... uh, uh, there to listen and not to speak. That speaks of their humility, being willing to learn, being teachable. By the way, that's a good thing right there. We're in the middle of a famine. There's a dearth in the land, the Bible says. There are dry times, depleted times, uh, disappointing times, but yet we find a group of people that are in their place. I thought, man, that's a faithful crowd right there. i tell you what, we need some people that'll just be in their place, sitting where they need to sit, doing what they need to do, whether things are up, things are down, Things are good, things are bad. Can I tell you, you'll always find what you need when you are in your place. And we find that these men were in their place and God provided exactly what they needed when they needed it. And there's a faithful crowd here. Not only do I see a faithful crowd, but as I look at this text, I thought about the fatherly care that is in this text. I love how Elisha is, uh, is prioritizing the spiritual needs of these men. He is giving them uh, what they need spiritually. No doubt as they are sitting at his feet, he's teaching them about God and about the ways of God and about the power of God. And they're learning all these things. But he's not teaching them these spiritual things at the expense of their physical needs. Elisha is caring enough and understanding enough to stop in the middle of one of his lessons and say, you know what? We need some lunch. Uh, We're getting hungry. Amen. How many of y'all hope Brother Will has that same kind of discernment here in a little bit? Amen. I do too. Amen. No, I'm just kidding. 
And, uh, uh, but uh, don't you, aren't you thankful that God, He does care about our spiritual needs, but He cares about our physical needs as well. And we have a Master, we have a Father in Heaven that cares. In fact, if you read the, 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 the prayer that Jesus tells us to model our prayer life after, when Jesus is praying, He prays that God would give us what? Daily bread. In fact, you'll find that God prays, Jesus prays to God to give daily bread before He ever asked for forgiveness for sins. Before Jesus told us to ask for forgiveness of sins, He told us to ask for daily bread. Now, I don't know where that fits in your theological little you know, spectrum right there, but it's, it's what it says. You know what? Does that mean, does that mean uh, food is more important than forgiveness? Well, I don't think that's exactly what it means. But I think it means there's a God in heaven that understands that we're not going to get serious spiritually until we, we talk to God about the things that are bothering us and worrying us and that are on our mind. And you can be spiritual if you want to and think you can go to God and, and all these spiritual things and then you can act like you know these other things aren't bothering you and worrying you. But God knows our frame. He knows how we are. Listen, if it's bothering you, if it's on your mind, if it's a need in your life, don't you be embarrassed to go to God and go directly and tell Him what's on your mind because He knows anyway. And while you're praying for some great revival in America but you're worried about your light bill, you might as well just stop and pray for your light bill, amen, that you have some money to pay it or whatever's going on because he knows that's what you're thinking about anyway. Is that all right? Amen. I might have got some of that out of Second Opinions 24-7 too. I don't know. That's a big, long verse. It changes all the time. Amen. But he cares. The, the, the fact is that he cares for our physical needs. Thank God for that. If, it, if it's important to you, it's important to God. Then we see here in this text, not only the faithful crowd and the fatherly care, but we see the frightened cry that takes place. As a cry goes out through the campus, there's something wrong with this meal. Now, that may not seem like a big deal, but when there's a dearth in the land and there's nothing to eat, and everybody's food is in one big pot, (laughs) and now the whole pot is ruined. And now we're not going to get anything to eat. It's not just like McDonald's and Walmart. Somebody was talking about that the other day. I don't remember who it was. But there ain't a McDonald's and a Walmart and Chick-fil-A. Somebody say amen for Chick-fil-A right there. I thank God for a Chick-fil-A drive-thru. I'm glad I don't have to go out into a field and, and, and worry about vegetables on a, on a vine somewhere and put them in a pot. Amen. I'm glad. I, I've, never, I've never sat in the drive-thru at Chick-fil-A and thought, you know, I'd rather be picking, picking some fruit out of a garden somewhere. I don't know. That's just, or whatever, you know, vegetables or whatever. That's just me, though, all right? I'm weird. Anyways. And the cry rings out. And this is, this is serious stuff because not only are they worried about what they're going to eat, they're worried about, some of them are worried about what they have already ingested. What have they put in their, in their body? There's death in the pot. Some commentators suggested that the eat, these eaters would have known immediately that there was something wrong with the food. There was something wrong with what they had just eaten because of the bitter taste possibly. Some people recognize it immediately or even, even uh, almost immediate effects of nausea and even more things that we won't talk about right now it was that bad what can we learn from this text what can we learn from this story well maybe one application is we never should trust church suppers maybe that's one I don't know maybe one application is just avoid vegetables altogether because you just never know I like that one right there that's what I'm going with you know me, you know I'm weird and picky in what I eat, you know. And I've always been looking for Bible to back it up, and I think I found some. Amen. 
You know, like the Bible says, just be on the safe side. Amen. That's in, you, know what, you know what reference that is. No, I think there's probably a more spiritual application to us this morning. And young people, I want you to listen to me real close. That is this, is that your heart, your life, like a, like a great pot. And what you put in, it impacts what you get out. You know, the wise man Solomon told his son, he said, Keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. That word issues, it's, it's a really a nautical term. It's like rivers. It's what, what you put in that reservoir, that's what's going to flow out. That's what's going to come out uh, of your life and it impacts. And by the way, this young man made a mistake. He put something in there that it shouldn't have been. And it didn't just affect him. It affected everybody else that partook. Can I tell you something? Listen to me. You're, you are not an island unto yourself. And I don't care, this is from the youngest to the oldest in here. Listen, what you do affects other people. What you decide and what you allow in your life and what you decide to put in your life, it has an impact on other people. Everybody that you influence and everybody that you come in contact with, they are drinking out of your life in some way. And you may think, well, I'm not influencing anybody. Nobody cares what I do. Listen, you are dead wrong, my friend. Because everybody in your life, that you affect them, you touch them in some way. And the things that you allow in your life, it's going to impact somebody else. There was just one man that made one mistake, but he ended up affecting the whole crowd, didn't it? And that's exactly how this thing operates. we got to be careful. What we are allowing to go in our life, because not only will it affect ourselves, but it will affect others around us. And these wild gourds that this man gathered, they are a result of the fall. They are sin-cursed gourds. That's not how God made food. But here it is, because of sin that is entered in the world, this food had become noxious, it had become poisonous, it had become harmful. And what this man had done, in effect, he had gathered sinful things, things that sin had cursed and touched, and he put it in something that everybody was going to put in their bodies and it made a huge impact on people's life. Can I tell you, while we are living amongst sin and while we are living amongst this sin-cursed world, that doesn't mean we have to add it to our diets. You have to live in a sin-cursed world. That doesn't mean the sin has to be in you. Listen, there are going to be wild gourds. There are going to be harmful things all around you. That doesn't mean you pluck it down and you put it in supper and you put it in your body and you put it in your mind. you got to be careful what you allow in your eye gate and your ear gate. you got to be careful what you allow in your mind because it goes into your heart and it will poison everything about you and everybody around you. If I had a title for the message this morning, it would just simply be a recipe for disaster. Because that's exactly what we have here is a recipe for disaster. What are the ingredients that will absolutely uh, bring you heartache and hurt in your life if you allow them in your life? I want to show you some, some recipe. I want to show you the ingredients of a, of a real recipe for disaster. It's going to be bad quick if you... Don't watch out for these things. Let me show you what happened for this disastrous recipe to hurt people. Number one, 
I want you to see, first of all, that there was uh, independence. Independence. Verse 38 says that there's a classroom scene going on. Do you see that? Uh, they're sitting before him. There's probably about a hundred of them, according to the next text. The next little story there talks about a hundred men that they were responsible for feeding. So I'm assuming there's about a hundred of these young preachers, I'll call them, these sons of the prophets. They're sitting before Elisha. This is a classroom setting, and they're at the feet of Elisha listening to the things of God. And I want you to notice what the Bible says. Look at verse number 38. It says, uh, it says, uh, uh, and they were sitting before him, and he said, now look what it says here, and he said unto his what? His servant. Set on the great pot. Now we looked at this last night. Who is Elisha's servant? It's Gehazi. His servant. It didn't say one of his servants. Maybe that would be a broader, you know, more general category of people that we might be able to not know or who's not in that crowd, we wouldn't know. But this is his servant. This is Gehazi. This is the one who is his right-hand man, his minister, his servant. And Elisha looks around and he finds Gehazi as he is teaching the class. He points at his servant over here and he says, uh, Gehazi, I want you to sit on the great pot and I want you to seed pottage for a uh, uh, for the sons of the prophets, I want you to put. I want you to get lunch ready. He says, "Gehazi, get lunch ready," and he tells Gehazi to do that. But look what it says in the next verse, verse number thirty-nine. And one went out into the field to gather herbs. One went out into the field. It's not Gehazi. It's one of them sons of the prophets. Here's literally what happened. Elisha told Gehazi, go out there and put lunch on. And one of the young men that was sitting in the crowd, they thought, you know what? I'm going to go help. I'm going to go, I got an idea. I'm going I'm to get up and I'm going to find some ingredients. I, 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 I don't want to preach what's not in the story, but what's not here is anybody telling him to do anything. He was supposed to be sitting there at the feet of Elisha and listening to the lesson for the day until lunch was ready. But he got a wild notion. He decided in and of himself, without any authority, without any instruction, he decided that he was going to get up and do his own thing and do what he wanted to do. Can I tell you, you are about to ruin your life when you feel like you don't need any authority and nobody has to tell you what to do and that you get to decide what you want to do for your life. Can I tell you, independence is absolutely wonderful when we're talking about the 4th of July, but when we're talking about being a Christian, listen, independence is absolutely horrible. Listen, we ought to be subject to the Word of God. We ought to obey the Word of God. Listen, if the Word of God says sit, you ought to sit and don't move. Don't make a move without the authority that comes from God. And that is exactly opposite of what this world teaches. That is exactly opposite of what this world preaches. This world says, be your own person. Do your own thing. Be who you really are. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. Every Disney movie in the history of Disney is all about find out who you are on the inside and don't give a rip what your parents say and don't give a rip what the authority says and don't give a rip what the rules say. You find out who you want to be and who you're supposed to be and then you go do that and then your crazy parents will actually come around in the end somehow I just summed up every Disney movie 
you've ever seen. That is the gospel of this society. That is the be independent. Do your own thing. If you get an idea and it's something you want to do, then just jump up and do it. But can I tell you what, friend? There are scores and scores of millions of young people and families and, and preachers and ministries and churches that have ruined their life because they went off and did what they wanted to do. They went off on a good idea instead of going off on God's Word. Just because it seems like a good idea to you don't mean it is a good idea. You're not full of them. You're not batting a thousand on good ideas. You better have more than just a good idea. You, and I believe this man had a sincere motive, don't you? Do you think he went out in the woods thinking, you know what, I'd like to kill some people today. Well, oh, that looks poisonous, yeah. Let's put that in there. No, he didn't do that. He was sincere, but he was sincerely wrong. Because he didn't have any word for what he was doing. He didn't, have, he didn't have authority. He didn't have a prescription. He was going off on what he thought was a good idea. And if you want to ruin your life, and ruin your life real quick, run your life on good ideas. Run your life on good intentions. It still doesn't matter if it's not God's word, if it's not God's will. You need to sit tight and just wait. If it ain't God's will, if God didn't point to you and say, this is what you need to do, then just sit there and wait. And that means you're not done listening yet. He's not done teaching you the lessons for you to get up and go and do something. Amen. I bet everybody in here can quote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Can you quote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine what? Own understanding, all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Everybody in here can quote Proverbs 3, 5, 5 and 6. I can quote it great. I, I just have a hard problem living it. Everybody all right? I have a hard problem. I, I can quote it. I've quoted it all my life. I just have a hard time doing what it says. You know why? Because my own understanding seems so logical. My own understanding, I really, now nobody else believes this, but I really think I'm a smart guy. I can't find anybody to agree with me. But I think I know a lot. You know what the Bible says? You start leaning to that. Instead of leaning on God, you're going to get in trouble. Get, you don't, don't you move without a word from God. Independence will kill you. You need to be dependent on God and dependent on His Word. Don't move unless God tells you. You want a recipe for disaster? Independence is a, is a main ingredient. Can I give you another one? Not only independence, but secondly, isolation. Isolation is an ingredient in a recipe for disaster. Do you see what it says in verse number 39? And what? One. I underline that about one. One went out. He went out all by himself. Just one. Can I tell you, I know, there's, I know the Christian life is walking with God, and sometimes you've got to walk alone, but I'll tell you, that's not how God set this thing up to be most of the time. We're in a church, we have parents, we have wives, we have husbands, we have people, we have friends, we have accountability. God set this thing up, and can I tell you, when you go off all by yourself, and you think you know everything, and you don't think you need anybody, listen, you're about to ruin your life and ruin the lives of other people. There was nobody else. 
No, but listen, I'm going to tell you something. Now, I feel bad for this guy because obviously he just didn't know. Like I said, I don't think he was out there trying to hurt anybody. He just didn't know. Listen, if you sent me out in the woods to gather stuff for a great pot, there's a good possibility something's going to be in there that's going to hurt you or kill you. I don't know. I quit the Boy Scouts because they wanted to go camping outside. I, I don't do that. Roughing it to me is staying at the Motel 6. All right, I mean, that's instead of the Holiday Inn, that's roughing it. Amen. Listen, I, I've never on vacation. If you go outside and go camp and you like to live outside and everything, that's fine with me. God bless you. But I've never thought, well, hey, let's go on vacation. Let's live like homeless people for a little bit. Wouldn't that be fun? Never thought. I never knew what it was like to be homeless. Cook food over a fire. Doesn't that sound like fun? No, it don't sound like fun. Good gracious. Was... Now, listen, it's me that's wrong, obviously. Everybody loves to go camping. I just... I don't want to hunt. I don't want to fish. I don't want to go outside. I like air conditioning, and I like my bed, and I like cable TV with ESPN. Sorry. That's, if that makes me a liberal, then me and Brother Jody, we're just going to have to be friends. Amen. I like Wi-Fi. Amen. Anyways. But if I go out there, there's a good possibility we're going to put something in there. It's, 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 it's going to hurt you. You know what I need? I need somebody else to go with me and help me out. I wonder if this man had anybody else with him. If he would have just took anybody. If he, if he, if he, had, if he was going to go, I know he probably shouldn't have went, but if he was going to go, if he had anybody else with him, to say, as he reached up to grab those wild gourds and, and put, them, put them in his lap, probably got his robe up here like this, like a big apron, he just, he just put like a big basket and he's just putting them all in there. The Bible says it was a lap full. And he's, and, he, and, he's, and, he's, and he's doing all this. I wonder if he just had one other person that said, you know what, those don't look right to me. I don't look good. I, I, don't, know if you, I don't know if you ought to get them right there. I, I don't know. Maybe smell it or, or just you know, kind of, you know, do something like that. or Just anybody else that would have any. You know what the problem is? When you're just all by yourself, every idea sounds like a great idea. Have you ever thought you just had a gr the greatest idea in the world and you happen to mention it to somebody else and they're like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard? And then you know what you do? You block them on Facebook. You say, I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. That's the people we call toxic. <laughs> well, maybe they're not toxic. Maybe they're, not. maybe they're just trying to help you out. They're trying to keep you from killing yourself. Trying to keep you from putting poison in the supper. You know what the Bible says? Proverbs 18 says, uh, uh, well, I got it wrote down. Let me just, let me just read it. Say, kind of quote it. But I think it's Proverbs 18. Says, yeah, here it is. He that is first in his own cause seemeth just. But then his neighbor cometh and searcheth him. <laughs> I like that. That's, nosy, that's a nosy neighbor right there. This is great. This is perfect. This is the greatest idea ever. And then you see somebody, every now and then you see somebody look over in your life and be like, no, that ain't good. And see, young people, you know what you're going to be tempted to do? You're going to be tempted to either isolate yourself or isolate everybody that doesn't agree with what you want yeah. to do. Instead of putting people and allowing people in your life that will question you and try to help you, you'll, you'll, you'll be tempted to surround yourself with everybody that just agrees with what you already want to do. I found that out real quick as in pastor, and it didn't take me long. I thought, well, I'm the pastor. People are going to have to come to me to, to know how to live their lives now. I found out real quick, people don't want to know how to live their lives. And, I, and then I found out, I don't know how people live their lives. But 
That, they, they don't want to come for information. They come for affirmation. They want the preacher to put a stamp on what they've already decided they want to do. And when you don't do that, and I've learned real quick, when I decide not to do that, when I can't do that, you know what? They go to another church and find another preacher that will. Amen. I'm going to tell you what, when you isolate yourself or isolate yourself from people that may not agree with you, but they have the word of God to back them up, can I tell you something? You are, you are gathering ingredients for a recipe for disaster. You're going to absolutely ruin your life and that's the reason most people like to be alone most of the time is because they don't like to be questioned and they don't want to be accountable to anybody else for what they do isolation will kill you it's not what God meant for this thing to be you need a pastor you need your parents you need a church you need you need godly friends you need the word of God you need godly counsel in your life it's a recipe for disaster not only independence Isolation. But then I see another one and I'm done. I'm going to call it ignorance. Ignorance. And like I think I've already said that. This man, I don't think he knew. This man gathered wild gourds because he didn't know. He did it because he didn't know he was doing it. And then the Bible even says at the end of verse number 39 that when they cut him up and put him in the, in, in, in the great pot, it says, for they knew them not. Do you see that little last phrase at the end of verse 39? They knew that they just didn't know. There, there, the whole reason this poisonous stuff got put in their lunch, got put in their meal that day, is because people did not know the difference between what was good and what was bad until it was too late. Can I tell you what's killing us these days? It is a lack of discernment. Again, this boy didn't do this. This guy didn't do it intentionally. It wasn't, it wasn't anything malicious or anything like that. He literally just could not discern. He did not know what was helpful and what was harmful. He did not know what was healthy and what was uh, going to be deadly. He just did not know. Can I tell you, what you don't know will kill you. What you don't know. We were talking about yesterday about, about some, some missionaries that, that were, I mean, in the jungle for 30 days or something like that. Can I tell you, I would be dead after three, I think. Because I don't know. It will kill you. Absolutely, absolutely kill you. And that's why it is important for you to have some godly discernment, biblical discernment. We've got to be able to detect when something is wild before it goes in the pot, not after. We start dipping it out and putting it in. God said in the book of Hosea, my people are destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. Proverbs 19, also that the soul be without knowledge. It is not good. You need to know some things. How about prove all things with the word of God? Don't just allow anything and everything in your life. Let it go through the filter. Let it go through the test of the word of God. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you read on the internet. Don't believe every gossip and don't believe every rumor and don't go along with every philosophy. Test everything with the word of God. Know what this Bible... You want to keep your life safe? Know this book. Test everything by this book. This is your safety. This is your security. It's in this book right here. Test everything with the Word of God. 
And I've seen it so many times, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart more than you even know. But when these people, families, it's preachers, it's churches, when they adopt this, anything is welcome mentality. You can put it, here's our great pot, put anything you want in it, it's fine. Just come with what you got and put it in the pot. Well, hey, there, that rhymes right there. There we go. We can make a website now with our church. So if we, if you want to make this a one-name church, Brother Will, I'm trying to think. I don't know what you would name it. I don't know. We're Walters Grove. I thought we, we might rename our church Church at the Grove, you know, something like that. But you're White Graves. What are you going to call this? The Grave. Church at the Grave. <laughs> How about White Church? No, we better not do that. We better not do that. I don't know what you'd call it. These one-name church, one churches, you know, Oasis and Bridge and, and the lake and the pond and the creek or whatever. It is. Just whatever you want, just bring it all in and whatever you want. Can I tell you something? If you got that anything goes and nothing's wrong and everything's okay, the only thing wrong to this world is when people say things are wrong. That's what's wrong. That's a recipe for disaster, ain't it? That's a heartache about to happen. That's a funeral about to happen, isn't it? I'll tell you something. Ignorance will kill you. Now, people won't like you. <laughs> They'll think you're mean. They're going to say, oh, you're so, you're so legalistic. But it's okay to stand up and say, I'm against that. It's okay to stand up to somebody and say, that is not going in here. Absolutely not. In fact, it's not just right. It's the only way to survive. It's the only way to live for the glory of God. I don't want you, I don't want you to ruin your life. I don't know. I know I preached serious last night, and I preached serious this morning. I don't know. It's just on my heart, but I'm sorry. I like to get up and preach Jesus and how good he is, but, man, I'm just brokenhearted over things, you know. And I just, I don't want you to ruin your life. But I would say this, if I can give you just one, and I'm, I'm done, but, I'll give you just one little extra point to my little outline there about the faithful crowd and the fatherly care and the, and the frightened cry. I'm glad it ends with a forgiving cure, doesn't it? Aren't you glad? You say, well, preacher, I've done, I've done led a lot of things. I've done, made a lot of mistakes. Aren't you glad that Jesus can help you? And you know what? They couldn't go in there. You know what they did? They took meal and they put it in the pot. That's what Elijah said, bring some meal. Let's put it in the pot. You know what they didn't do? They didn't say, all right, let's start digging through the pot and get out all the wild gourds. You can't do that. It's been cut up. It's in there. The toxins are all around. It's not that, it's not that you can go and get out. And by the way, you can't go to yesterday and the last year. You can't go and fix all those things. And take, Once they're in there, once it's in, you can't get them out. But I'll tell you what you can do. You can let God put some good things in. And I'll tell you what His grace can do. When it enters in a life that's been messed up by sin, it can change the property, the chemical property of the whole thing and absolutely change your life. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God? Thank God for grace. So, be careful what you allow in. If you've already allowed a bunch of junk in, just let God start putting the good stuff in.